do not love the world or the things in the world. The world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. morning church man what a joy to worship with you god is doing some amazing things and uh, so let's and i really believe it's very much linked to the preaching of the word of god as we preach the word of god uh, along to in five campuses god's name is being exalted and a difference is being made right amen and i hope it's making a difference in your life and so let's do this jump in with me first john 5 uh, we've been taking the summer uh, to journey through the letter that John wrote to the churches and uh, so to our church. And so uh, today we're going to talk about overcoming the world. And I know uh, many of you in this room, all of us, I guess at some point, have overcome some difficulties. I, I had a journey of overcoming just a couple weeks ago. I was... Um, driving with my daughter. We um, went to my niece's graduation in Maryland, and uh, which is about four, four and a half hours away, depending on traffic. And so we're driving to Maryland for my niece's graduation. We left Friday night late, and then we went to the party Saturday afternoon and came back Friday evening for church. And so four hours, four and a half hours up, my daughter's like, hey, you mind uh, if we listen to some Taylor Swift? I'm like, sure. So... One hour of Taylor Swift. I didn't know how much Taylor Swift was in the world. There's a lot, okay? So there's a lot. One hour of Taylor Swift, two hours, four hours of Taylor Swift, four and a half hours of Taylor Swift. I didn't hear one song repeat, okay? And so we go to the, the graduation party. We get back in the car. Hey, Dad, do you mind if we listen to some Taylor Swift? Um, six hours of Taylor Swift, seven hours of Taylor Swift. I'm like, I don't know if I can endure any more Taylor Swift. And so with an hour left, I'm like, babe, can we like listen to something besides Taylor Swift? She's like, dad, we're only halfway through. And I'm like, she has 15 hours, you know, of Taylor Swift. And, and she's like, yeah. And like, I know like all the songs. I'm like, that's quite an accomplishment. You're going to go far in life, you know, put that on your resume. You should be fine. But, uh, uh, the truth be told, somewhere in there, I may have become a Swifty, okay? So there's a couple songs I've been singing, you know. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to sing them for you, um, but Stay, Stay, Stay is one of my favorites. So anyway, um, there you go. But uh, no, but the truth is we've all had to overcome challenges, right? And, um, and you have had to overcome challenges for sure. And the reason that we're able to overcome the world is that by grace through faith, we're linked to the overcomer, right? We don't overcome life in our own strength, but we overcome the world through the one who has overcome for us. And, and so if you don't know Christ today, my prayer for you is that you will know Christ. And if you do know Christ, I pray that he'll be your all in all. He will be your sustainer uh, because we all will face challenges. As I look around the room, I know many of your challenges, personal challenges, and to see you here worshiping the Lord uh, is always very encouraging to me. This morning, as you know, uh, John has 
has been in this letter holding up, I guess, a mirror, if you will, to our faith and reflecting back to us if we're indeed a follower of Christ. Maybe you're here this morning. We probably have all asked this in our spiritual journey. Like, I think I believe, or maybe I'm doubting in my faith, but how can I know for sure that I'm a Christian? And so John holds up this mirror and says, this is how you can know for sure. And so what he does in chapter five is he calls us overcomers, right? It's a kind of a unique description of followers of Jesus. And so I wanna work backwards on the text this morning because I actually think it's kind of how it's understood. And so I want to start in 1 John 5, verse 4, okay? And, uh, and so here it goes. 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. If you, if you write in your Bible, circle the word born of God. I'm going to come back to that, all right? And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So that's kind of this repeated phrase throughout John is this idea that Jesus is not just a good prophet or a good teacher. He's indeed the very Son of God. And so we overcome the world, not in our own strength, but in the one by faith who has overcome the world. So the first thing I want to draw out this morning is true Christians overcome the world. And to overcome the world, it begins with being born of God. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give you a theological word, letter A. It's the idea of regeneration, right? A new birth that happens in our hearts where we see the kingdom of God, we understand and we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is the work by God's grace of the Holy Spirit alone. God is the one who to get weird, borns us again, okay? And you're like, where are you getting that language from? So one of the things that you've probably been seeing as the pastors have been teaching this summer through 1 John is how quickly we lean back into the gospel of John. And I really think that the apostle John here is kind of leaning into his own gospel and fleshing that out for these churches in a more practical manner. And we talk about this idea of being born of God or being born again in John chapter 3, many of you know the story of Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus is a teacher uh, of Judaism in the nation of Israel, and the Lord is stirring in him, and he's recognizing that there's something distinct and unique about the ministry of Jesus, and he says so in John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, where he shows up to Jesus at night, uh, and he says, we know you're from God because the things that you're doing and the things that are happening in your ministry couldn't be happening unless you're from God. And so this is the dialogue that Jesus has with Nicodemus. Jesus answered him and says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, he's like thinking, not in spiritual terms, but practical terms, right? Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? It's kind of earthy and real. Can he go a second time into his mother's womb and be born? All moms are like, disgusting. Okay, so how does that happen? John 5, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Jesus is trying to get Nicodemus to see the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. It must be seen spiritually. Verse 7, do not marvel that I've said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes, and you hear its sound, and you do not know where it, it comes from or where it's going. 
So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus is teaching us that before you can even see the kingdom of God, you, you must be born again. And once the Spirit, I'm talking here about the doctrine of election, once God who has chosen his family by his Spirit borns you again, then you are capable of seeing the kingdom of God, let her be, and exercising faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Faith is the overflow of the work of God, this regeneration, this being born again. A person that has faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ is a person that has been awakened by the Holy Spirit to see, to taste, and to enjoy the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you've ever been talking to someone about Jesus and they glaze over and they don't get it, and maybe you've talked to them many times and they're like, man, it's just like hitting the words of the gospel or just hitting concrete, is because the Spirit of God has not yet borne them again. They can't, John 3, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're first what? born again, right? There's a spiritual thing that God does. By the way, in our prayers, as we're praying for people that don't know Jesus, one of the things we should be praying for is that, God, you would do the God peace, that you would born them again. Our peace is to declare the kingdom of God, to declare the gospel, why we're planting campuses, why we're pulling our time, talent, and treasure together to plant gospel outposts all across the community and all across the world if the Lord would have us, right? Because our peace is to herald or to bring the good news of the gospel, but there's a God peace that he borns people again, amen? And we should pray for that. God, you do the peace that only you can do. It's like, how many of y'all have seen, these are back in like the 90s. How many of y'all remember those 3D pictures? Remember those things, those big 3D pictures? It's like, and by the way, I like, I have never been able to see a 3D picture, okay? Like, and I've done like, you know, and I'm not sure any of these work. I think people make, do tell me these things so I look stupid. You know, like, look at it cross-eyed. I'm like trying to cross my eyes, you know, put it near your face and pull it away. And like, I, and like, and and, and like every time I'm looking at a 3D picture that I can't see, the person next to me is like, don't you see it? It's a castle. It's awesome, you know? And I'm like, no, I can't see it. I want to see it, but I just can't see it, right? And so once you see it, you can't unsee it, right? How many of y'all have seen those pictures where it's like a vase or an old lady or something or people kissing or something? Like, well, however you see it, once you see it that way, that's how you see it. Like, you know, it's an old couple kissing. You're like, yeah, I see a vase, you know, and you just can't unsee it. Same thing with the, with the Spirit of God. Borns us again until we're born again. You can't see the kingdom, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. That's why some of you are, like, so passionate. Like, man, and by the way, everybody here at one point was lost. Everybody here at one point did not believe in the gospel. Everybody here in this room, if you're a Christian, at some point you, you repented of your sin and you believed in the gospel, and that's because the Spirit of God helped you to see the kingdom of God. That's why we live as Christians like opposite world. Like the rest of the world's like, you guys are so weird. It's because we're part of a different kingdom that they can't see apart from the working of the Spirit of God. Amen? And so our job is to pull our time, talent, and treasure together to give people every opportunity to see the kingdom of God. And so John is saying that when a person is regenerated, sees the kingdom of God, they're able to exercise faith in the kingdom of God, then they are connected to Christ, letter C, who's the overcomer. Overcomers believe in Jesus, and Jesus is ultimately the overcomer. And by the way, let me park here for a minute so that you understand. When we use the word faith or belief, okay, um, 
John, in the gospel of John, when he uses the word believe, um, the Greek word actually has a, a little bit, I think, more understanding than the way, the way we use the word believe. A lot of times when we use the word believe, it's like a head knowledge, belief in the facts, okay? But the literal gospel word use of the word belief is to believe into something. Like it's a, it's a consuming belief, okay? It's a, it's a life changing belief. That's why uh, when we teach you the gospel, we don't, we don't wanna, we're not trying to add to the gospel. Uh, we want to equip you to teach the gospel in our culture. And, and it's simple and it's profound at the same time, right? So what have we taught you about the gospel? So if you have an opportunity to share the gospel with a neighbor or a friend or a family member, all right, there are some things that you, there are facts of the gospel that a person has to have head knowledge belief in order to be a part of the kingdom of God, right? What are the facts of the gospel? Three things that a person has to believe. Jesus is, anybody remember? Jesus is what? God. Jesus what? Died on the cross for our sins, and then Jesus did something very supernatural. Jesus bodily rose from the grave. Okay, so let's do this together. These are the facts of the gospel according to 1 Corinthians 15 that we can't bend on. Jesus is what? Jesus did something, died on the cross for our sins, and they did something supernatural, right? Bodily rose from the grave. Okay, so once a person goes, you know what? I, I see that. I've been regenerated. I see the kingdom of God. I believe that. What do I do with that gospel? What do they do? Three things we've taught you. They do something. Number one, they repent, right? Repentance literally means a 180 degree turn. I'm going this way. I'm going to repent and I'm going, so I'm turning from the world, the other kingdoms I was a part of, I believed in, I now see the kingdom of God, I repent, and I believe something. What do I believe? The core facts of the gospel. Jesus is God, Jesus died on cross of the Jesus bodily rose from the grave. And, and then we've added, we've not added to the gospel, we've added to your understanding. It's the concept of believing into something. We receive Christ into our life. So repent, believe, and receive so that Jesus is now changing us from the inside out. Whenever the Bible uses the word believe, it's an active, right in the moment, daily faith in the facts of the gospel. Everybody with me on that? Why am I spending so much time here? Because I think a lot, we've done a disservice. And sometimes we do this as parents. Okay, now I'm going from preaching to meddling. We have an adult child that's not walking with God anymore. And so what we do is we go, well, I remember when they were 10 and they walked an aisle, they got baptized, whatever religious box you want to check. And I remember when they did that and they believed in God, okay? So here's what I would tell you. At the end of the day, I, none of us know, it's only, all, faith in the gospel is ultimately a God and an individual thing. No one actually really, really knows, okay? Now, we, the Bible says we can know a person by their, from their fruit, right? So you guys are here this morning, you're corporately worshiping the Lord as part of the fruit of your faith in the gospel. But if you have a loved one or a family member or a child or a friend that's distant from God, they haven't been to church in forever, they're not extra, they're living in habitual, unrepentant sin, all right, I would never assure that child that, they're follow, that they know Jesus. Now, 
what I would do is say, hey, your, life, your heart posture showing you love your sin more than the gospel because active faith is actively believing. Everybody with me on that? I, now, ultimately, that's between them and God. Maybe they're saved, maybe they're not. That's between them and God. But I would rather be the voice that says, you know what? You need to, re- you need to believe in the core facts of the gospel, repent, and follow hard after the things of God because faith in the Bible is always an active faith. It's not connected to something I did 10 years ago. You with me? So if you're here this morning, you're like, man, I came this morning. I'm not sure if I believe in the gospel. Listen, do you believe that Jesus is God? Jesus died on cross your sins. Jesus bodily rose from the grave and you're returning from your sin and you're fall- you believe and receive Christ. And guess what? You're saved. You're wa- That's what John is saying. You're an overcomer of the world. There's always in the scriptures an active faith that fleshes itself out in love and obedience of the Lord, which really is point number two, right? Overcomers, people that are connected to Christ, they overcome the world, they love and obey the word of God. These two are so closely connected. If you're a follower of Jesus, you love his word and you're, you're, you're working towards by your sanctification, by the spirit, by the gospel working itself out, you're growing in holiness and righteousness, you're growing in obedience. 1 John 5, 2 and 3. When we love God and obey his commandments, for this is the love of God. Ready? This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. It's a really important line, by the way. If there's, a, if there's a teaching of the scriptures that you find burdensome, then I would challenge you with there's a, a misunderstanding in your worldview of following Jesus, it's incomplete. There's a misunderstanding of the gospel. Because once we know the gospel, we understand we've been loved by God in Christ, then following the Lord is no longer a burden. Uh, Christians, letter A, Christians love the, the reason we love the word of God and the commands of the word of God is because it's from God. If we love God, we love his word. And by the way, the love for God is not so much an emotional experience. Oh, this is really, really important. So I want all your eyeballs. I know it's getting warm in here and people start drifting off, right? It's like, so tired. Why is he droning on up there? Uh, so anyway, love for God is not so much an emotional experience. Love for God is a moral commitment. Listen, I, I've been a Christian. I've been a follower of Jesus for over 40 years. There have been seasons in my journey that it feels like I am wandering through the desert. Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody feel that way today? Maybe you're like, man, like you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, you're reading your body, you're doing your spiritual disciplines, and it feels like concrete, right? And you're like, what is going on? And But here's how I know I'm still a Christian, because the, my following of Jesus is not Victorian, you know what I mean by that? Kind of the Victorian philosophy that loves very flowery and emotionally. My love for Jesus is a moral commitment to the word of God. Whether I feel like it or not, I'm doing because I love, because I believe. I've believed into Jesus. I believe his word. And even if it feels kind of dry and dusty, I know that I'm a Christian because it's a moral commitment of following his word, which is letter B, right? If we love God and his word, then we obey his commands. It means that because we love Jesus, the overcomer, and if we're going to overcome the world, we're going to adjust our lives to do what the word of God says. And here's the beauty of it. And here's what I think gets left out a lot. Ready? Letter C. Following the commands of Christ gives us freedom. One amen. 
Okay? It's doing things the opposite of the word of God that leaves us in bondage. Following the commands of Christ gives us freedom. Amen? John says this in 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commands. You ready? I love this last line. And his commands are not burdensome. This reminds me of John chapter, I mean, Matthew chapter 11, by the way. I love Matthew chapter 11. These are some of the sweetest words of Jesus. Check this out. Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus says this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what, church? Anybody here get tired? Weary? You think your neighbors are tired and weary? Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I think these are some of the sweetest words in the scripture. Now, Jesus here is is teaching in agrarian culture. Most of the people listening to Jesus were probably farmers, okay? And so when he's talking about yoking, you know, he, they knew exactly what he was talking about. Now, some of you in this room, when you hear yoking, you think working out at the gym, right? Like, I'm getting yoked, okay? Uh, so it's not that, all right? It's, it's an agrarian word that you, when you would you know, and I doubt anyone here, has anybody here uh, ever plowed a field with two oxen? You did the back 40 and you're like, I'm going to go plow. And no, no. So the way you would do that in Bible times, you might have an ox and there was this large wooden harness, if you will. And if you were a farmer, if you would take your more mature, disciplined ox and you would bring the second ox, which would provide more power, but more importantly, it was an opportunity to train the younger ox how to be disciplined and follow the commands of the farmer. And so what Jesus is saying is there's always a stronger ox that has mastery over the second ox. And what I think he's teaching us is all of us This gets to Romans 1, the idea because everybody in this room is a worshiper. It's not a matter of if you worship, it's what you worship. And whatever you worship is what you're yoking yourself to. And whatever you yoke yourself to will have mastery over you. And so it's not a matter of if you yoke, it's a matter of what you yoke yourself to. And so in the context here, I really believe Jesus is talking to to, to the Pharisees who had taken the law of God and added hundreds of extra rules that really didn't fully apply. And so these poor people are trying to do all these rules to try to keep the Sabbath holy, and it's just overkill, and they're yoked. And, so, and this, this can happen today. You're yoked to man-made religion. You go to church because you think it's a checkbox to make God happy with you. And if you're doing that today, here's what happens. And here's, what, here's, here's your heart posture. If you think that man-made religion is a checkbox, what eventually happens is you're like, man, that guy is so boring. Like, when is he ever going to pick up his game? It's just like we sing that the songs were terrible today. I can't. And all of a sudden you get this kind of this critical spirit because somehow you think that going to church is like a checkbox to make God happy instead of an opportunity to hear from the word of God and worship him through song and giving and the preaching of the word. Some of you in this room, you're, you're yoking yourself 
Instead of to Jesus, you're yoking to relationships. I mean, you're just, your heart is looking for the next relationship to complete you. So you're constantly dating new people, moving from relationship to relationship, or friends, and you have a friend group, and friend group, friend group. Listen, you, it, when you're looking for life in other human relationships, the other person that you're yoking to is a sinner. They cannot complete you. Some of you in this room, you're yoking yourself to, to sexual sin. And it's just one partner after the next, or, or even you're with a partner that you really love, but you're in sexual sin, and it's, it's bringing this wedge that God didn't intend. By the way, God made sex. It was his idea, and it's a good thing. But it has to be between a man and a woman in the confines and the commitments of marriage. That's how God made sexual pleasure to be experienced. Some of you are yoking yourself to pornography. Like it's this momentary sexual pleasure that comes without relationship or intimacy or fulfillment. Some of you in this room, you're yoked to an addiction. I just, I'm living for the weekend when I get drunk or high. Some of you are getting drunk and high, and it's not even the weekend yet. Or gambling. Like, man, the next thing, and you're risking your financial future to just get this rush. And, and, and some of you are yoking to your finances. Man, if I could just save enough. Or some of you are spending it before you have it. You got so much debt. And then, man, you got all this financial pressure. And probably with that comes political pressure. Like, you're so worried about the next politics. Is that going to affect this? And, man, you're yoked to that. And you're glued into the news. And it's exhausting. Does that sound like our culture? Or health and fitness, right? Like I just got to be fit or too, or, you know, you just have this really horrible relationship with food. You either don't eat enough or you eat too much and it's just unhealthy and you're yoked to that. And, you know, man, you, your happiness depends on the scale or the mirror or what other people comment. And, and man, it's just this unhealthy thing. Or maybe you're, here's the new idol, of the culture. It's personal identity. Like, like you yoking yourself to you. I'm go, I'm go, and here's the, here's the language of the new identity, the new personal identity idol. It's, it's go live your truth, right? Or I'm living my truth. Follow, just follow your heart, right? By the way, uh, if you're trying to figure out the transgender movement, some of you are like, I just, it's so confusing to me, okay? That's because you're thinking of it in terms of biology. It's not being argued in the world of biology. It's being argued in the world of psychology and personal identity. Everybody with me on that? And by the way, if, if that's your wrestle here today, like I'm really glad you're here, okay? But here's the deal, right? When we yoke to personal identity, you're still yoking your hopes and dreams and your worship to a sinner. The sinner just happens to be you you're going to disappoint yourself, right? Your whims and desires and your, your identity at that point becomes a moving target. What, what, what the gospel offers is you can yoke your identity to something that never moves the unchanging God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You got that? And so, and here's, like if you yoke to anything other than Jesus, and by the way, some of these things on the list, not all of them, but some of them I went through, like God gave us for. He's given us all things, Timothy says, for our enjoyment. Some of them are, are good for us, but they're not to be the main thing that we yoke to. Everybody with me? We need to yoke to Jesus. So here's the deal. If you came in this morning and you're exhausted and you feel like you're on the hamster wheel, 
and you can't get off and you're weary and you're heavy laden, I can guarantee you there's something in your heart and mind that you're yoking to that you're hoping this gives me life and it will leave you incomplete. Jesus stood up and said, come unto me, all of you who are what? Weary and heavy laden. And guess what I'll give you? I will give you rest. And the reason it's so sweet is Jesus doesn't say, get your act together. Clean your mess up before you pray to me. What's he say? It's relational. Come to me. And, and, and guess what he's going to do? Yes, he is going to reveal to you the commands of his word. And he's going to ask you to repent and change from the inside out. But he's going to do it gently and lovingly and patiently. And he's going to clean you up. And the more you allow Jesus Christ to clean you up in your sanctification process, the more freedom you will have. Because he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because Jesus gives freedom. We don't have to earn his salvation. We don't have to earn our righteousness. He gives joy. Your eternity is settled. You're free to take gospel-centered risks with your time, talent, and treasure. Because Paul says in Galatians 5.1, Jesus came that we might have freedom. And John leans into this and he says, guess what? His commandments are not burdensome. They indeed, as we yoke ourselves to Christ, set us free. And point number three, an overcomer loves the family. I put the word brothers, but it's really the idea of family. Now, this has been a, a repeated theme in the, God, in the letter of John, right? That we love the family of God. I really believe John is probably a little bit older here. How many of y'all have a dad, this will probably be all of us that have a dad that we, that we know. How many of you have a dad that tells the same stories over and over? I don't want to see my family's hands go up. Okay, so right, like of course. Right, we all, I really think that's a little bit of John here. He's like, let me just make sure you got this, right? And so he's making sure we got this. So here it is, right? John 5, 1 through 2. Everyone who believes in Jesus or believes that Jesus is the Christ. Remember, Christ is not a last name. Christ is the title, special one from, sent from God, the anointed one. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been what, church? Born of God. It's a born again thing, right? Been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever is born of him. Listen, you, you can't Say that you love God and then disconnect yourself from the people that love God. It's a little bit of American Christianity, like people that bounce from church to church to church, or you know, I, lo- I love the church universal, whatever that means. Like, you know, you have to love real people. Verse two, by this we know that we love the children of God. You have, I think what John is calling us to is if we're overcomers, then we love the church family. I don't have a blank for this, but you should write this down. I don't think you can actually love the children of God without church, here's the word, commitment. Without church commitment. Listen, my wife, I've told you guys this before, my wife comes from this incredible downline of Christian family. It just goes back further than we can even talk about. And... um, my dad, who was just here this weekend visiting with me, he had a, he's a first-generation Christian. 
and uh, all his kids are walking with the Lord. It's really neat to see. Um, healthy spiritual lineage family starts, cornerstone is Christ, but the foundation starts with a man and a woman that commit themselves to one another in the bonds of marriage. Amen? And that is hard work. Anybody, uh, let's do a show of hands, I don't know. Anybody in this room been married 40 plus years? Raise your hand. Any 40 plus years of marriage? Great job. Now, let me stop you for a minute. Why are you clapping? You know why you're clapping? That's not easy. Any 50 plus year marriages in here? Any 50 plus? Great job. Good job. Any 55? 55 plus? How many? 55. Man, I'll pray and you guys make it to 56. So anyway, like one more year. Do it. Go. Okay, you ready? To legitimately love the family of God, you have to actually commit to actual people. Let me say that again. To legitimately love the family of God, you have to commit to actual people in the local church. Amen? At Coastal, we call this commitment to people. Now, so it starts with commitment to Christ, and then I'm committed to other people. Okay? We call, and then I'm committed to, at Coastal, the discipleship process, connect, grow, serve, multiply. That commitment is what we call church membership. So it's people saying, I'm linking arms with the brothers and sisters in this room, and now at five campuses, we're linking arms together to pull our time, our talent, and our treasure together. We're better together in the discipleship process that God has developed here at this church so that we can further the gospel together. Okay, you ready? This is really cool. Celebration moment. This past month, for the first time in the history of Coastal, we reached 1,000 people in membership. Isn't that amazing? Incredible. A thousand people said, I'm in. I'm committed. Okay, now, I put my thinking cap on. Over the summer, it's amazing. It's amazing what God's doing at Coastal. Uh, most churches at summertime have a, an attendance dip. Because why? Vacations, right? Coastal has actually stayed the same throughout the summer. So I'm anticipating in the fall that you know, we continue to reach new people. Coastal right now throughout the summer is running about 2,200 people a weekend across five campuses. So I start doing the math, all right? And I'm like, all right, let's take out about 600 kids. We'll take the kids out. That means we're running about 1,600 people. We have 1,000 members. That means about 35 to 40% of the people attending Coastal have not yet linked arms with us. Why are you still dating the church? I know, I went from preaching to meddling, right? Like, like, why are you still dating the church? Listen, the cool stuff that's happening at Coastal, like amazing. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. I mean, within the next week, we're going to rip, we're going to, Lord willing, get a CO on a new building. We're going to launch. We're going to send out a couple hundred people to Williamsburg. Next week, we're going to take time in the service to pray over them, that God would make them effective. There's some other churches we're talking to about adoption, okay? Like, God is doing amazing things. The only way that happens is if we as a body link arms together and say, I'm in, and I love the real people called Coastal Church. Amen? 
And so I want to challenge you. We, I got a slide for you, okay? How, what's the on-ramp to becoming a member? It's our We Are Coastal class. Go ahead and put this slide up, okay? Our next We Are Coastal class here at Yorktown is September 16th, Friday night, Saturday night, 5 to 30. Let us know you're coming because we have food and child care. We'd love for you to come, okay? And the reason this is important is this, is this is how we really, really love one another, is committing to one another, okay? The Apostle Paul says this. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 4 when it talks about how we love the family of God. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. What's that next word? What does that word assume? Somebody's wrongdoing is a big word. You're going to get your feelings hurt. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Listen, 56 years of marriage, have you had to be kind to one another from time to time? (laughs) Forgiving of one another from time to time? Tenderhearted from time? The reason when I said 40 years, 50 years, we all started climbing because we realized there is a God element that God calls us to be where we overflow the gospel in marriage for people to stay married that long. Now I can start going around and going, hey, how many people have been church members for this amount of time, right? And we should applaud for that because that's not easy either. But we do it so that the gospel of Jesus might be exalted. Amen, church? And, uh, and so here's the question I have for you. Who, who do you need to forgive this week? I get this all the time. Well, they're coming to Coastal, but they got church hurt. We all got church hurt. Because <laughs> God puts a bunch of sinners in a room together to pull our time, town, and treasure together for the glory of the gospel. Like, of course you got church I got church hurt. We have to be tenderhearted, patient, kind, forgiving one another. I, uh, years ago, I, um, and I'll finish with this. I think worship team, you guys can come out if you can hear me. But um, years ago, I was, uh, I got a, Got out the, this is when my kids were younger, my boys, especially my boys, they were younger. I get out the box of Lucky Charms and I pour the Lucky Charms into my bowl. And um, out comes the Lucky Charms with no marshmallows in it. (laughs) And so we had, I went into the other room where they're sitting, we had a big lecture. You pour out and you get what you get, all right? You don't go picking through there for more Lucky Charms. And so I told this story. Uh, many years ago, I told this story from the pulpit. And what I didn't know is that in up, I think it was in Williamsburg, actually, there was some kind of market going on up there, like a flea market or something. And there was a booth selling bags of just Lucky Charms marshmallows. Okay. So I tell this story. And by the end of the month, we had like a half a dozen bags of Lucky Charms marshmallows sitting in the pantry. Like people thought it was really funny and we end up with them. And we're sitting there, and we're like, what do I do with all these Lucky Charms marshmallows? And then I stumbled into something great. Lucky Charms marshmallows taste amazing in any cereal, okay? And so we poured the cereal, and a half a cup of Lucky Charms marshmallows taste amazing in Honeycomb, Captain Crunch, Fruity Pebbles. I, I think I've named all the food groups, right? Cheerios. Uh, I'm fr- uh, Lucky Charms marshmallows taste amazing. Guess what? Love in a church does the same thing. It's like the Lucky Charms marshmallows sprinkled throughout the body. It's not that it's a group of perfect people to do everything perfectly, but it's a group of people that say, man, I love God. And because I love God and Christ is in me, 
and I've been loved by my creator even though I don't deserve it. Therefore, I can love the family of God with kindness and with patience and with tenderheartedness and with forgiveness because love makes everything sweeter. Amen, church? That's why John says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves who has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. The church should be the one place on earth where people are loved. We don't excuse sin, but even when we're talking to someone about sin, Ephesians 4 says you are to speak the truth in what? There's a relational aspect. I love you. I'm not out to get you. I'm out for you to enjoy who God is and know the freedom of God. Why? Because we're a people that have been loved. And since we've been loved, we're transformed by the love of God through the person and work of Christ. And therefore, we are a people who are indeed loving. Love the brothers, and in that you overcome the world. Amen, church? All right. Prayer team, come on up. We're going to go out singing this morning. If you need prayer, if you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, Pastor Tom, when you're talking about being yoked to something that's exhausting, how do I connect to Jesus? Come talk to this prayer team. They would love to talk to you about how to repent of sin, receive Jesus, be yoked to a Savior that says, man, if you're weary, you're heavy laden, I will give you rest. Let's worship the Lord in prayer. Go out singing. God, thank you for loving us. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 4 that we forgive one another as we have been forgiven by God in Christ Jesus. God, you have lavished us with patience. You're tenderhearted to us. You're kind. You've forgiven us, God. So now we're our new identity is in Christ and we have a new family the overflow of how much we have been loved by our Heavenly Father is that we love people the same way. God, who, help us to be loving this week. Help us to be in this church and in this community the sweet marshmallows that flavor the culture for the glory and fame of Jesus Christ. And now we're going to go out worshiping you in song because we love you, oh God. Thank you for saving us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's